Welcome to Ms. Interpreted, her podcast of public relations and strategic communications, demystified by Kelly Fletcher and Fletcher Marketing PR. There's a time and a place for companies to speak out on issues that are relevant. And here's the key, that are relevant to their business interests and industries. And then there are times when it's absolutely absurd to take a stand, get woke on a topic that has absolutely nothing to do what you do at the core of your business or industry. Welcome back, everyone, to the Misinterpreted Podcast. I'm Kelly Fletcher, CEO of Fletcher Marketing PR, and I'm here today as usual with my friend, confidant, comrade in arms, Mary Beth West. (laughs) Hey, Mary Beth. Hey there, Kelly. Oh, it's great to hear your voice. And I'm excited to be here with our listeners today as usual. You know, we have a hot topic on the agenda today for the podcast. So, you know, why don't we go ahead and just get down to it? Well, and it's one that I've been following closely. And yep, it's a powder keg issue, that's for sure. And apparently some brands find themselves grappling with whether or not to comment in some way about it. And according to many media reports, the pressure is on to actually come out and take a stance one way or the other. And Mary Beth, you were asked to comment for a pending news story on this issue. So why don't you tell us about what's going on? Oh, sure. Uh, Well, I was contacted this week by the Knoxville News Sentinel for a story that they have in the works right now about the Roe v. Wade and the leaked court decision coming out of the Supreme Court in recent weeks. The question being whether corporate brands need to take a definitive stand on that issue one way or the other. And uh, there seemed to be a lot of question out of the research that the reporter had been doing that uh, there is some type of high-level consumer expectation that corporations come out with where they stand on the issue. And also a criticism in the consumer space that, hey, if your corporate brand is remaining silent, then your silence is saying it all. And there's sort of an implied message there that is very negative. So the the whole scope of the story, and it's still under development at this recording, is all about what should corporations do, what should brands do in lending voice or choosing to lend voice or not on these types of matters. And of course, it's been this matter has also been covered pretty extensively in a lot of the PR and advertising trades because I think a lot of companies and even agencies are finding it to be quite a head scratcher. I read an article in PR Week last week that is one of our PR industry publications about a few ad industry holding companies, specifically U.S.-based Interrepublic Group and France-based Publicis Group, are going to actually fund travel for female employees seeking abortion access. That really blew me away. Meanwhile, they also reported that prominent PR firms Edelman and Zeno Group advised their clients to stay silent on the issue and that these PR firms are now under fire simply for advising their clients not to issue a statement, which is the right thing to do. That was the right advice, in my opinion. So let's unpack some of this. Yeah, I mean, it is a lot to unpack. I I do think that it is interesting that um, Edelman and Zeno caught so much criticism for that when, to your point, I think it's the very thing that we would have advised clients to do as well. And I think it just begs 
you know, the question to me, where is the industry voice saying, hey, corporations, you all exist to excel in the competitive landscape of whatever your product or service is and to operate at a profit, not to necessarily be social crusaders. Because and one of my comments to the reporter was this, that with all of the different social issues that are out there, any business could basically go out of business if they invested all of their time and resources simply in commenting on social issues. And the case can be made, well, if you're staying silent on an issue, then you're actually making a statement about it. Well, no, you're. <laughs> that's not necessarily the case at all. And I, I think there are a lot of different factors that have to go into the decision-making process. And so, yeah, it, it is a lot to unpack. And um, it, it's something that I think in the public relations industry, we need to be having far more inclusive conversations about it and not just from an activist standpoint. Well, I agree. I'm really proud of Edelman and Zeno. I stand by that recommendation. And there are some media companies and PR firms who go in the opposite direction. And, and I feel like it's because they can make more money whenever there's controversy and not less controversy. So, and just a disclaimer, this is not a political podcast, although sometimes it gets a little political because how can it not? We're in PR. But Mary Beth and I are fairly moderate, I guess. She's more on the right and I'm a little more on the left, although after the past year or two, I think I'm going more in the opposite direction. <laughs> I knew I'd win you over. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but on this matter and most matters, we tend to agree far yeah. more than we disagree. Yeah. But there's a time and a place for companies to speak out on issues that are relevant. And here's the key that are relevant to their business interests and industries. And then there are times when it's absolutely absurd to take a stand, get woke on a topic that has absolutely nothing to do with what you do at the core of your business or industry. So here's my stance on this matter. You can tell I'm kind of heated up about it. And we haven't been asked to advise any clients on this yet. Maybe we will be, maybe we won't. But number one, why would you make a statement on such a controversial issue? There is no way to win. You are going to piss off at least half of your potential customer base. Secondly, I would say the only reason to comment is if you don't mind pissing off all those other people and you just want to capture that very hardcore audience who actually is paying attention to whether you make a stand or not. We can't get in the business of commenting on every social issue that comes down the pike, or to your point, Mary Beth, you'll go out of business dealing with communications and controversy and customer criticism, and you'll get away from the core of what it is that you do well. It's all about staying in your lane, being true to your core competency. We talk about this a lot in the agency. Sometimes we think about taking on a client that really isn't in our wheelhouse and we have to make a decision whether we want the money or where we want to stick with what we know and stay in our lane with our expertise. And it's the same with social issues and commenting. I really agree with all of that. And I just I have to go back to whether some of this is a conflict of interest for 
agencies in public relations and marketing communications to be stoking the flames, I think, by there's a lot of industry data out there that some of the PR firms out there themselves have researched and, in my view, sort of misreported some of their own data about just how big a, an appetite that consumers have for corporations to be making controversial stands or stands just on controversial issues. Recent data, in fact, has revealed that consumers, in large part, they are not all that enthusiastic about companies being extremely strident and certainly partisan in commentary. They're, they're just not. And yet it has been reported that there is a massive appetite for corporations to be taking these stands. So I just, you know, and I think that in certain industries or with certain consumer bases, the attitudes can be different. I think you do have to know your customer. We're going to talk about that here in a minute. But, I mean, you make many valid points here, Kelly, and I, I just think that going forward, it's going to be more and more critical for companies to develop a rubric of sorts, some kind of real methodology about how they're going about this and, and a set of criteria that can guide them on when and how to become social issue commenters. And just recently, I was invited by the Ethics and Compliance Initiative in Washington, D.C., they're known as ECI to moderate a session on this topic of speaking up for their annual fellows meeting, and that's coming up this July. And you've done other work with ECI, right? I've been on a yes. few calls with them and you, and so I'm not sure what the speaking up initiative or event this is this summer. So tell us about that and what other work you're doing with ECI. Oh, sure. Well, with ECI, the Ethics and Compliance Initiative in Washington, they do have a fellows group. And, and ECI is something of an industry association for those corporate officers and professionals who are in charge of ensuring ethical compliance, ethics and compliance, or ENC, within corporations and governmental entities or even nonprofit entities. So they're kind of like an internal watchdog within organizations to be sure that, for example, if a company is heavily regulated and it goes beyond just legal compliance, but there are other matters through which the company really needs to be sure that it's, quote, doing the right thing. These professionals that are within ECI's membership, they're the ones who hold that responsibility to advise their management teams on these issues. So it has become a very hot topic issue. I know with ECI, the whole ESG movement has become very prominent and they are wanting to address this for their members about environmental issues, social issues, governance issues, the very things too that in the PR space we're also dealing with. So this event coming up in July is their fellows group. And I've been asked to moderate a session that talks about what is the methodology, what is the process, and what are the criteria points that across disciplines, management teams need to be thinking about before they try to interject their voice on issues. Yes, that's awesome, Mary Beth. It's great that we're, through you, helping organizations like ECI lead from the front on these important issues. I know DEI is big on ECI's radar right now, too. It is. It is. So as for what companies need to do moving forward on choosing whether or not to comment, I think I can 
narrow this down to three things. Number one, know your stakeholders. And Nike gets thrown out as an example all the time. But I'm going to bring them up because I had a very specific example of an analogy. I was shopping recently with a friend of mine for tennis shoes, sneakers, whatever you want to call them. We were in New Orleans and she needed a new pair. And so we went and I saw these cute Nikes and I was like, oh, get these. And she absolutely refused. She used to only buy Nikes. She's a runner too. And she refused and she refuses to buy them for her son. And so I wonder if there's going to be a trickle down effect. I know Nike sales haven't suffered, but is there going to be a trickle down effect from stakeholders who are no longer purchasing and influencing the next generation not to purchase too. Right. So you have to know your stakeholders and think beyond perhaps who your current in the moment stakeholders are. And then know what's truly relevant to your business interests. And I just can't figure out why a business would fund travel to an abortion. Can you imagine going into HR and being like, hey, can I get a ride to go get an abortion? Would you really want to tell your employer that? Have no idea where that came from. How is that relevant to your business interests? And then third, it's all about authenticity. So avoid being divisive in a manner that's perceived as heavily partisan. I feel like if we don't do that, we're going to end up in a country where you've got blue companies and red companies. Mm -hmm. We're already going there when it comes to blue states and red states and people choosing their geography based on the politics. So are we going to go down the path of becoming partisan in corporate America where, oh, I only shop with blue companies or I only shop with red companies? How about we have independent companies? (laughs) Yeah, I agree. I agree. And I think that the process that you have outlined here is one that every companies should start considering and not, number one, not taking a knee-jerk reaction to these issues as they come to the fore in the, in the you know, media news cycle. I think that some companies really do make a huge mistake when they go off half-cocked and start making comments about issues without really researching who their stakeholder base is. You know, one of the things I talked in the uh, Knoxville News Sentinel interview about was this matter of research. Companies could really do themselves a tremendous service by investing in some research on issues and just this whole matter of speaking up on issues with their stakeholder base. And when I say stakeholders, I'm not talking just about customers. I'm also talking about investors, communities in which they operate, and certainly their employee base is probably their number one stakeholder base that they need to be thinking about on these matters. But I just think that a lot of companies would find it truly fascinating and you know be able to have actual data driving their decision making on this if they would invest in some research about you know what the expectations are and not just rely on some voices or news media articles out there that have this kind of drumbeat mentality to it yeah absolutely i'm glad that we had this discussion i don't think it's going away i think it's going to just be what's the next big powder keg issue that companies are trying to decide whether to comment on or not. So if you're listening to this podcast, we would love to hear from you. would love to hear what you think brands should or shouldn't lend a voice to 
when it comes to divisive social issues. Right. You can email me at kfletcher at fletchermarketingpr.com or shoot me an email on LinkedIn and we will bring your questions back to the table or your comments back to the table and continue this discussion on an upcoming episode. That's right. And we also invite everyone to chime in on this conversation using the Twitter handle misinterpreted. And of course, that's the Twitter handle that we use for all of our discussions on all of our podcasts. And again, that's MS interpreted. And for visibility's sake, don't forget to capitalize the PR. Thanks so much for joining us today on the Misinterpreted PR podcast produced by Fletcher Marketing PR. You can follow our Twitter handle at Fletcher PR. You can also follow me at KD Fletcher and Mary Beth at Mary Beth West. Thanks for tuning in. Until next time. Thanks for joining us on Misinterpreted Public Relations Demystified. You can keep up with the latest on the podcast at FletcherMarketingPR.com and on iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, or wherever you listen to podcasts. We'll see you next time 